Star of the East, O Bethlehem star, guiding us on to heaven afar. Sorrow and grief are loved by thy light, thou hope of each mortal in death's lonely night. Fearless and tranquil we look up to thee, knowing thou beamest through eternity. Help us to follow where thou still dost guide, pilgrims of earth so wide. Star of the east, thou hope of the soul, while round us here the dark billows roll, lead us from sin to glory afar. Thou star of the east, O Bethlehem star, O star that leads to God above, whose rays are peace and joy and love, watch o'er us still till life hath ceased. storms of grief gather loud. Faithful and pure thy rays been to save, still bright o'er the cradle and bright o'er the grave. Smiles of the Savior are mirrored in thee, glimpses of heaven in thy light we Guide us still onward to that blessed shore After earth's toil is o'er Star of the east, thou hope of the soul While round us here the dark billows roll Lead us from sin to glory Thou star of the east, O Bethlehem star, O star that leads to God above, whose rays are peace and joy and love, watch o'er us still till the high fences be our scripture reading today is found in Luke two thirteen and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you to all of you who have participated in the service. Thank you for that beautiful special music and scripture reading, and uh, thank you all for your participation thus far. Um, it's an exciting time of year. It's Christmas time of year, and so we're excited to be able to celebrate the birth of the Savior, and so that's what our, our sermon will be about this morning. Last time we spoke about this account according to Matthew, and today we'll be looking at Luke's account and going through that a little bit. So let's go ahead and pray together, and we'll get into our, our sermon. Kind Father in heaven, thank you again for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for life. Thank you for health, and thank you for our families. Thank you for, Lord, the the countless things that we have to be thankful for that we overlook on a daily basis. But Lord, just now as we're entering into your word, we pray for your spirit to please be with us, guide us. Please cleanse our hearts and minds of all unrighteousness, and I pray that the words that are spoken this morning would come directly from your throne. Lord, that your name would be glorified, and that we would be drawn closer to you in some meaningful way as a result of our time together. We thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good tidings of great joy is what the angels said as they came to the shepherds that evening. Um, It's the Christmas season. And uh, last time we were talking about Matthew's account, but more, more so I was focusing on the idea of a Hebrew wedding and how it had three distinct phases and how uh, by the time Jesus came around, it was actually two phases. And this time we're just more so looking at um, the blessedness of this gift that God has given to us. Um, Luke, as we're going through Luke's uh, gospel, I'm going to open there to Luke chapter 2. Luke was not an apostle. He was a contemporary of that time. He was a physician. His gospel is one that was compiled. He actually, because he was not an apostle, he went around to eyewitnesses. He spoke with disciples. He spoke with other people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, and he compiled his his gospel that way. Um, So he lived during that time. He was a physician. He was an educated man, and he compiled it that way. His gospel seems to more so, as I indicated last time, focus on kind of, I'll say the, uh, maybe people who are not held in high esteem. He he focuses on the shepherds. Shepherds were known to be thieves in in that era, and so they were not high people in society. He focuses on Mary and her account, her side of the story. And he's focusing on different people um, than perhaps Matthew did in his gospel. Um, <clears throat> so let's begin here. I, I actually kind of, yeah. I opened a can of worms that I, I want to address really quickly. I didn't mean to, but I did. Um, last time I was talking about, how, remember how maybe perhaps last time, maybe I don't even need to bring it up, but I'm, a, I'm an honest person. I don't like to give misinformation, especially if I realize later that I gave something that may or may not have been true. So that's just part of my makeup. 
And uh, I, uh, last time I was telling you that Matthew, his rendition of Jesus' genealogy followed Joseph's line. And I had been told by a pastor many years ago that there's a slight variation between the two Gospels or their, their rendition of Jesus' lineage because Luke is focusing on Mary's lineage. So he's tra- tracing it that way. Well, I... I am now an ed- I have resources now. I'm an educated person now from when I was when that pastor told me that 15 years ago. And I found that theologians don't actually agree on that. Um, so there, it is a potential that the variation or the change is because of the lineage of, uh, it's tracing the lineage of Mary. But there's also the potential that um, in Roman times, in this biblical times, um, a Adoption, they adopted adults, okay? So, like, they didn't, adoption wasn't about being an orphan child and another parent took you in at that time. They literally, if they, um, let's say it was a family and they had several siblings, the rightful heir would go to the oldest sibling, right? They had the largest inheritance. Well, if a parent thought, they're just going to they're not going to take care of my wealth the way that I want them to. I am going to adopt, so to speak, and the adoption elected child would take the place of that heir. So it might be the youngest child. And so they would do it that way. Or if a person had no heir at all, then they would adopt another adult to manage their affairs as their child once they were gone. And so um some theologians surmise that perhaps uh, the, the lineage is slightly changed because there were some adoptions that took place, um, it, but it's not actually largely agreed upon. And so I just wanted to uh, highlight that because it, uh, it's, there's several variations of what may have happened. It could be Mary's lineage. It could be uh, because Mary's parents adopted Joseph. It could be a couple of things. But let's continue. Let's go from there. Because I, I'm piggybacking on that really quick. I, don't, I didn't want to belabor or spend a lot of time on it. I just wanted to clarify that actually theologians disagree on that. It's not just clear, cut, and dry. And I didn't want to leave people like I was for the last 15 years thinking, oh, this is the truth. <laughs> and it may not be. Um, there's, a, there's, a couple, there's a couple options there. <clears throat> Let's read our, begin reading our story in Luke chapter 2. Let's begin. I'm going to begin in, I'm going to begin reading verse 4 through 11. So Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. 
Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The good news of a Savior, the good news of a the good news of the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. People had been waiting for thousands of years for this announcement to come. And God had been giving them tidbits of information all along the way about who he would be. And where he would be, where he would be born, how he would be born. He would be born of a virgin. That's a major miraculous sign that can't be replicated by human beings. Um, he would be born at a certain time. So there's a, there's a lot of things. And the same message, this good news for all people, the same message of the everlasting gospel is to be preached at the end of time. That is to be the, the good news, the everlasting gospel is to go out to every people of every, na- every nation, every language, every tongue, and all people. It's the same everlasting gospel, the good news, that a Savior has come to save humanity from their sins and to restore eternal life to the fallen race. This is the long-awaited Messiah. Up until this time, up until this point in time, God had sought through form, through shadows, to reveal who he was. Through nature, he was revealing himself as a giving God. Through his word, he revealed himself. But all these things, you know, when you think about various things in nature and how everything gives for the benefit of something else, um, We have a whole sanctuary service contained in God's Word that was to represent Jesus in some way and how He would be the Savior of the world. God sought through various means up until this point in time to reveal who He was to the human race. And He chose to do that through Israel. They were the ones who were given the oracles of God to tell about a Creator who had made them all, and now he was going to, uh, because of this sin problem, he was going to save them all. He revealed himself in various different ways. Everything in nature takes so that it can give. This God is a giving God. The Bible tells us in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, We read in the beginning that God is a very, the first words we read in the Bible is about this benevolent, loving God who just gives of himself. He makes things and he gives them, okay? This God is always giving of himself. This is where we find what love, part and aspect of what love is, is it's selfless. And that's what we see happening in Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment. He's the, he's all along the way, God has been trying to reveal himself. And now here Jesus comes, God in human flesh, to finally say, this is what I am like. This is who I am. God isn't, he's not seeking through shadows in nature. Uh, we, you know, the, there's so many things in ne- nature that teach us about the character of God, that he's a giving God, that he's, uh, his nature, uh, think about the water cycle that's always giving, it's always receiving and always giving. Think about plants that just absorb nutrients, they absorb water, they absorb nutrients from the ground, and they give back. Think about the, the CO2 oxygen thing that happens with plants. We are exhaling carbon dioxide, 
And the plants are absorbing that carbon dioxide and giving off oxygen. And we just continue. There's this relationship, this harmonious relationship that happens in the world around us. And it's actually, we're told um, that it's the, the, the selfish nature of the human heart, that sin problem that came in, that God came to fix, right? That's the only thing that lives to itself is the sinful human heart heart. And so Jesus came to fix that. <clears throat> Giving, taking to give is a law of life. It's something that we'll learn more about in this coming year. I want to spend some time talking about the law of life. Um, uh, giving is part of that process. Giving is what God does. God is a benevolent God. And when we give in a loving way, sometimes sacrificially even, we're reflecting the character of God. We're reflecting the love of God because that's a selfless act. Um, and in an altruistic way, I'll say it that way, because even in a selfish way, we can give expecting to receive. So we don't want to deceive ourselves. Taking to give is a law of life. Giving is a law of life. The more you give, the more is poured into you. The more knowledge you give, the more you share. Uh, when you share your faith, God is going to increase your faith. When you share the Word of God, He's going to increase your knowledge about the Word of God. When you share the hope that you have in your Savior in a second, soon second coming, God is going to just continue to give to you. Whenever God finds a conduit that He can work through, He'll just keep pouring through that conduit. And God is showing us in Jesus. He's showing His love for humanity, not only in the beginning when He gives us a perfect planet that we unfortunately chose to join the rebellion against Him. Not only that, but He is giving of Himself saying, I will fix the problem. Not only have, have you made this mess, not only have I given you this planet, you've given it away, but I am also going to send Jesus. I'm going to give of myself to fix the problem. All these natures, these examples in nature that I'm telling you about, imperfectly represented our Creator because of sin. So because of a dark misapprehension and our misunderstandings of God, God came to reveal Himself to the world. Even in the minds of His people, even in the minds of the people that He chose to reveal Himself to, even in the minds of the Jewish people, they had misunderstandings about the character of God. So God came to show who He was. And we see in the life of Jesus this giving, benevolent person who is only seeking to use His, his power that's been granted to Him by God. He's only using that to give it away to somebody else. He had an opportunity much all throughout his life, to use it selfishly. But in every instance, we see him doing what he says, the Father told me to do this, or I am only giving you the words that the Father has given me to give to you. I am only doing the things that you see me do. It's because the Father told me to do this or showed me to do this this way. He was always giving, giving back, showing his love He's the real embodiment or representation of the Father. He told his disciples in John chapter 14, he said, I, I, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus is showing the world who God is because there's so many misunderstandings about who God is. 
even among his people in that day. It's amazing to me the dark mis- you know, misunderstandings about God, even among the Jewish people, they, they, they also too believed that, that um, God was responsible. Different groups believe different things all along the way. Just like Christianity, there's different branches all along the way that believe kind of different things. There's variations, right? But they believe that God was responsible for all the good and all the evil as well that happened in the world. And so Jesus is coming to show who he is what the Father is like. Jesus, only, Jesus didn't use his power for evil. He only used his power for good. He only used the power that God bestowed upon him to help all the people around him. It is in Jesus that we see the love of God for humanity. This God that just continuously, selflessly gives because by nature, by nature, <clears throat> Love is selfless in its giving. Selfishness is the opposite of that. Our human love is almost always selfishly motivated. We have to go to God. We don't even have love in it of ourselves. Many times our love is our love that we show. It can be selfish in a way or it has some ulterior motive. We have to go to God who is the source of love. The Bible tells us that God is love, and it's in him that we find the source of love. So we have to go to him for, to, be able to, to be able to reflect that aspect of who God is. <clears throat> Jesus told us in this life that these things that we see him do were because the Father was revealing himself through him. Jesus came to declare the name of God. The name of God, the Bible tells us in Exodus that the name of God, Moses tells us, he said, the Lord God, he's proclaiming his name, the Lord God, merciful, long-suffering, patient. He's, He's gracious. He's abundant in goodness and truth. This is what Jesus came to show the world who God was. And so Jesus came after the end of, you know, he's been being prophesied for 3,500, well, if you go all the way back to creation, 4,000 years to the time of Jesus. And there's all these misunderstandings about who God is. So he reveals who God is. And then it's amazing to me to look at not very long after Jesus came, just a few hundred years, when the established Christian church came on the scene, the established Christian church at that time you know, 500 A.D. Um, you have the Eastern Orthodox Church at that time. You have the Western Church, which is the Catholic Universal Church. And the picture of God that they had just had, just not that long before, but the picture of God that was conveyed to people for thousands of years was a very harsh God that was just, if, if you gave enough money to the church, you would be okay. But if not, you were going to spend you know, X amount of years in purgatory before you could get out. It's amazing to me that after, when you look at the time frame, when you look at the time span, and it's like Jesus just came. God just came to show who he was to the world. And the church took on a totally different view of what we, they just had seen and experienced just a few hundred years before. It, it's, it's amazing to me that that happened so quickly, right after he was there. 
I'm going to read this quote from The Desire of Ages. The earth was dark through misapprehension of God, that the gloomy shadows might be lightened, that the world might be brought back to God. Satan's deceptive power was to be broken. This could not be done by force. The exercise of force is contrary to the principles of God's government. He desires only the service of love, and love cannot be commanded. It cannot be won by force or authority. Only by love is love awakened. To know God is to love him. His character must be manifested in contrast to the character of Satan. This work only one being in all the universe could do. Only he who knew the height and depth and the love of God could make it known. And only those who know him can manifest that character. Only those who have that Savior, the one who manifested the height, the depth, the love of God, it's only when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ can that then spill out to the world around us. We don't have it in and of ourselves. It's an attribute of God. It's who God is. And only with the living Christ in us can we express that to other people. We don't have it. So we have to go back to Him as the source of that. Upon this world's dark night, the Son of Righteousness must rise with healing in His wings. Malachi 4.2 The angels declared to the lowly shepherds that they had good tidings of great joy for all people. The very fact that the shepherds were addressed shows that the good tidings of great joy were for all people because they were kind of the lowest of society and they were known to be dishonest men, known to be dishonest individuals. They were the first ones to hear from the angelic crowd the good news that a Savior had come, that He came for them. It wasn't just for the elites. It wasn't just for the people who had a spiritual foundation. It wasn't just for the religious leaders. It was to be for all people. No matter how bad off you were, the Savior, the good news, the good tidings of great joy were for all people. The good tidings of a Savior that God Himself was coming to represent Himself. To show who He was. He wasn't going to speak in in shadows. He wasn't going to use symbolism anymore. He was going to show who He was. There were so many misunderstandings about him, he came to show. And somehow, in a very short period of time, we took those misunderstandings and dark, darkness, darkness in our understanding, somehow in a few, just a very short time, we took that to an exponential level that, that even the, the Hebrews never considered God and the way that the Christian church took that. It's an amazing thing to me how quickly Satan is able to. He's like, Jesus splashes on the scene, shows himself to the world, and Satan very quickly wanted to erase whatever whatever picture of God people may have gotten from his time on this earth. I praise God that the, the Bible was preserved for us and that the acts of Jesus, that the fulfillment of the prophecies, that we can know who he is, And that we can see in his life the character of God, the love of God. 
Jesus tells us in John 3.16 that it was because God loved the world that he gave, that he came, that he condescended for us. Even in this time of year, when we give, it's an expression of love for the other person. We give gifts at this time of year because we love the people around us. We give gifts to our family. We give gifts to our friends. We give because we love those people and we're taking time to find out what they want what are their likes? What are their dislikes? God, it's an expression of love. God gave the greatest gift that he possibly could have given in the salvation of humanity, in the gift of his son. From the very first picture we get of God in the Bible is that he is a very loving, benevolent being. And it just continues all the way through. He is a God who gives life to those God, here's the thing about this whole life, law of life and giving. You know, apple trees, I was just sharing this with Steve this morning. Apple trees don't give only be if their apples are appreciated. They just, they just absorb nutrients and they give of themselves. Whether the apples rot on the ground um, or they're, they're consumed by all the people in the area or all the animals or whatever, they just give. That's how plants are. That's how God is. Oftentimes, we enter of ourselves, you know, we, we give only if we think it's going to be appreciated. And if it's not appreciated, we feel slighted by that, right? If somebody isn't appreciative of what we've done or the sacrifice we've made, because of our carnal nature, we feel slighted. Like, well, I put so much effort into that, and you, didn't, you don't even care. This God just keeps giving of himself. He doesn't just give life to those who will appreciate it. There are people who are actively using their lives to disprove that God exists. And he's still sustaining their life. This God just keeps on giving. And he's, he just continues in his benevolence because it's who he is. And if he were to contradict that, if he, it, would, it would be a sin for him. He has to just continue being he, who he is. He's not going to stoop to the level of sin. Unfortunately, the way that humanity has, he just keeps giving of himself. He sends, the Bible tells us that he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He gave Jesus to the ones who would accept him and to the ones who wouldn't accept him. It's a free gift for all human beings to accept, whether you want to be in that kingdom or you don't want to be in that kingdom. It's up to you. It's a choice. He says, I want you to choose I know he's just offering what's best for you. You get to make a choice whether you want that or not. It's up to each one of us. We were created in the image of God to reflect his character, to reflect his attributes. We are his representatives on this earth when he made this earth. We were to show the character of God, to show his attributes. We were to take care of the planet. We were to take care of the animals. But unfortunately, we see how we've treated the planet, how we've genetically modified our food, how we've, uh, we cram animals into little, you know, I'm not saying each one of us are responsible for this, but at large, at a, in a, on a large scale, uh, a lot of animals don't have a very good life. We're not taking care of them the way that God designed. Sin has, this is all the result of sin. We can either use our power and abilities for good or for evil. We have a choice of how, God, of how we're going to live. 
Jesus came to show us God and to show us how we ought to live. He showed us the ideal. He showed us who God was. And ultimately, he became the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us. Not only did God come and dwell among us, not only did Jesus show us the Father, not only did he show us the right way to live, but he bridged the gap for humanity and became the perfect spotless lamb of God to give his life for the sins of this planet. All these aspects are the good tidings of great joy for the human race. By his life and his death, Jesus has achieved more than recovery from the ruin. This is another quote that I want, I want to read to you from the Desire of Ages. By his life and death, Christ has achieved even more than recovery from ruin wrought through sin. It goes beyond just recovery from sin. We're praising God for that, right? But it's, it goes beyond that. Now listen to what this says. It goes beyond that. It was Satan's purpose to bring about an eternal separation between God and man. But in Christ, we become more closely united to God than if we had never fallen. In taking our nature, the Savior has bound himself to humanity by a tie that is never to be broken. Throughout the eternal ages, he is linked with us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3.16. He gave him not only to bear our sins and to die as our sacrifice, he gave him to the fallen race. To assure us of his immutable counsel of peace, God gave his only begotten son to become one of the human family, forever to retain his human nature. This is the pledge that God will fulfill his word. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. God has adopted human nature in the person of his son and has carried the same into the highest heaven. It goes beyond what we can probably even understand. This connection of the God becoming man, it goes beyond what we can comprehend here and now. That's why I think we're going to spend the ceaseless ages of eternity learning about these things, learning about the plan of salvation, learning about all the things on the earth that we didn't get to in the short time that we had to be here. God is going to recreate all of that. We were designed to take care of it, and he's going to recreate it and give it back to us. Sometimes I wonder about his... His mind, his thinking, I'm like, wait a second, we've been through this once. Don't you want to just, you know, maybe just help us, let us be assistants or something? No, he's giving it back. And then we'll get to see, we won't take by faith creation anymore. We'll actually get to watch the creation process. It won't be a faith of depending on the word of God for what it's doing what it says. We'll actually watch the process. God gave and committed himself to the human race. These are all good tidings of great joy. These are the things that we reflect on this time of year. We try, as we try to grasp that God became a man in order to reveal himself to the world, but also to eternally bind himself to the human race. It's an unbelievable thing that you can't, we just, you just spend time thinking about and asking God, Lord, help me to understand because it's difficult for us in, our, in our, the very small percentage of our brain that we're able to use on this sinful planet. But it's fun to think about. And I believe that God is going to continue to manifest and reveal himself. We have much to be thankful for in this Christmas season. 
God gave and committed himself to the salvation of the human race. When we see God's example, when we see the level of God's commitment to us, I hope that it inspires you to want to reciprocate and be a witness for him. When we see his level of commitment to us, I hope that it inspires us to have that same level of commitment to him. Amen? To be his representative. To be a witness of a transformed life, of what God is able to do in your life. If this is your desire, to be his example, to renew your commitment to him, I invite you to pray with me just now. Kind Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for another day of life. Thank you, Lord, that for all that you do for us. There's so many things and there's so many ways, things that we take for granted that we don't even understand or comprehend. Lord, help us. Forgive us for our ignorance. And please just draw us closer to you. Help us to be more like you. Fill us with your spirit. Help us, give us hearts that are responsive so that we can uh, respond to conviction. So that, Lord, as we do so, we reflect your character more fully. That we can be a witness, an example of, of Jesus on this planet. Thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for giving of yourself. Lord, when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for taking our punishment on yourself and giving us the reward that only rightfully belongs to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we just pray for your, your, your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.